Leads, leads, leads. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 lawyers over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My mission is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, is doing during humanity's biggest emergency. On working hours, we hear how lawyers have, are, and will be coping with our multiple crises. The global pandemic, Brexit, and of course, the ongoing and accelerating collapsing of capitalism, the state, and the climate through this decade. To do this, I need people, people like you, dear listener. Most of all, I need people who are in Leeds or who are from Leeds to come on this show and be my guests. So please join me and help me with this mission whenever and however you can. Critically, I will need people like you, dear listener, as financial backers. Please consider supporting or donating to this project. You can do so with a £1 monthly donation via either Patreon or Ko-fi, or you could donate any one-off amount to Working Hours via either Ko-fi or through the LibrePay button on the About page of Western Studios' website. Thank you. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up? Gosh, so when I grew up, there's many things. I think when I was little, my mum told me that I, when I was like five, I said I wanted to be a linguist. And the funniest thing is that's, uh, I only did German at school and that's the thing I got the worst grade in. So <laughs> that definitely didn't um, pan out. But when I was little, I, I danced all the time. I was always at dance school, doing different competitions, exams and things like that. Mm. And for, gosh, years and years and years, it was in my brain. I was going to be a dancer. Mm. That was that was it. Yeah. You're listening to Series 3, Episode 33, and to my guest, Lydia Cottrell. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 5th of May, 2022. Hello, loves. Happy bonfire night, everyone. First off, apologies for my lateness. I couldn't be bothered yesterday, so I didn't. I'll try and be back on for Fridays again this month. I'll talk more about this year overall at the end of this season, but it looks like we might get out 50 episodes this year. Fingers crossed. I think I have got 47 interviews in the can. Please, please help me get to 50. I'll need over that amount so that I can put out 50 episodes this year, but if I can do that, that's going to be huge for me, psychologically and morale-wise. If I can get 50 out this year, then I can finally hit 100 episodes next year, surely. What would help massively is more Patreons. I started the year with none, now I have four. Please, please help me increase that number. It will really help the podcast. As I said, I'll talk about this more in the last episode of the year, but I have to mention that if it hadn't been for the generous donation of our official US truck driver of the show, Stanley, I wouldn't be anywhere near 50 episodes yet and certainly wouldn't have got to putting out two episodes a week. Money talks. So thank you, Stanley. So this recording is a bit rough. I make you work for this sometimes, don't I? Well, it's not meant to be punishment. Well, maybe it has been sometimes. As this show grows, my attitude to it changes. It's easier to make and harder to make now. I've said that before, but it's true. People are starting to hear this show now. A following is starting to show. Some green shoots. 
I think about this, just so you're aware. Bigger audience means being more responsible, but then I haven't had any complaints yet or corrections. Doesn't mean I haven't made mistakes. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to respond. I'm happy to be accountable. This is one from back when I was physically holding the mic in my hands because I had to save up my pennies to buy a shock mount, which takes a while these days. Lydia Cottrell is a dancer, artist, black metal makeup social media influencer and a social media consultant. At the time of recording, Lydia was also the communications and engagement manager at Compass Live Art. Every two years, Compass Festival animates the city of Leeds with interactive live art projects in public spaces. This year, they have commissioned five exuberant and playful encounters made with and for the people of Leeds. This year, between the 18th and 27th of November, Compass invites you to share your best piece of advice, take a journey on an Afrofuturist spaceship, delve into a surreal soundscape in a familiar place, eat your way through Caribbean ancestry, and help them answer the question, what are the flavours of Leeds? You can join Compass at Kirkgate Market, St John's Centre, and at a host of supermarkets across the city to rediscover and reimagine the everyday right where you live work and play all of the events are free some you will come across and be able to get involved straight away with some have limited capacity and for the wonder mart event you will need to reserve a time slot as i said the recording is a little hard work it's like a bad line phone call but to be honest compared to some of the other so-called professional podcasts i have heard the sound here is far from the worst for more information on the festival and Compass Live Arts, go to compassliveart.org.uk forward slash compass hyphen festival forward slash festival hyphen 2022. Now, please enjoy this episode of Working Hours with Lydia Cottrell. Do you dance now? Are you a dancer? Yes, I am a dancer, which is great, but maybe not in the traditional way. So I did all my vocational training and did all of that then kind of worked professionally and quite commercially. Mm. Then things kind of took a turn. I got quite ill and my throat was playing up all the time. So I had to move back to York, worked in a camping shop for a bit, which was really fun. But then I decided to go to university for dance at York St. John. And when I was there, I started doing more contemporary sort of things. When I was there, I was really lucky that I got hired by Gary Clark while I was still studying, who is a contemporary dance choreographer. And then since then started making my own work and doing my own choreography. Mm -hmm. Then I did a master's degree at Northern School of Contemporary Dance in dance and creative enterprise. That was after working for quite a while. And in for my final project, I did a practices research project around the performance of self in online space. Mm -hmm. And during that, I decided I wanted to go viral. And I think no one kind of believed me. But I did, I made a Instagram account called Bork Cult, where I became a black metal beauty influencer and a black metal fitness influencer, wearing corpse paint all of the time. And that did end up going viral. And that was kind of crazy, got really popular. But then, so I had all of that experience and online during the pandemic, Mm. uh, all of a sudden we weren't performing anymore. We weren't in theaters, all of that. And everything went online. And weirdly, pre-pandemic, I had built this whole knowledge base of social media and making arts happen online. Mm. So I was really lucky, actually, in a way, I kind of benefited from that. So I kind of became this specialist 
in a way, of creating digital content for arts organisations. So my first job in the pandemic is doing the communications and engagement social media for Unshut Festival. Mm-hmm. Then I started working for Yorkshire Visual Art Network, mm-hmm. then Contemporary Visual Art Network. Mm-hmm. And now I'm the communications and engagement manager at Compass Live Art and Compass Festival, which is really great. And throughout that process, I've gone from just doing social media to actually focusing on really engaging audiences and reaching out to specific groups of people to engage with the work that Compass does. So I'm doing that sort of thing. And also I'm still making work as an artist. So that's great. Cool. So are you, and are you getting money from the arts as well? Yeah. So I have a couple of hats as myself is a kind of self-employed freelance dancer. I make my own work. And I've just been really lucky to be supported by Yorkshire Dance as part of their Dance for Art's Sake program with Joeward Art. And I'm currently working on a project and can't say too much about it right now because mm. I'm in the limbo land of funding and right. things happening. And then also I have a company which is based in York called Slapped, which is supporting live art and performance where I do artist incubation and support artists, uh, emerging artists to mm develop themselves creatively i'm very lucky to get money from that and then kind of what's really funny is that most freelancers either have to work in a cafe or something like that i'm so lucky to be working in an arts organization for compass creating digital content and um, reaching audiences so still being able to be creative but kind of just in another medium Mm. wow i'm never going to remember all of that (laughs) that's the joy of a pop as you say in the arts that i would say i'm an arts professional but it's like what are your skills i'm like well it's hundreds of things it could be anything from web design to doing choreography to talk about the history of flamenco to creating a social media campaign and yeah it's a portfolio career as we say in these it's like yeah i'm skilled for anything anything i'll do it So the the first thing I'm going to start off with from all of that then is, is going to be work-life balance. So like, yeah. how do you make that work? You're like, I mean, are you very disciplined with it? Like, how does it work for you? Yeah, it can be quite hard because having to juggle all of those different hats and all of those different projects, even if you're just doing one thing in the arts, say if you are just an artist that makes work, mm-hmm. you often have different commissions, different projects that you're doing. And to kind of compartmentalize that is really hard so for me it sounds really sick but I have like I have an iPad Pro a big iMac which I'm on right now then I've got a MacBook Air and what's really funny is I kind of work on each device for a different job just so that I can separate that brain yeah yeah yeah. Um, also the risk of freelance work and doing all of these different jobs is that it, for some reason it always seems to all of the big deadlines and all of the stuff seems to accumulate all in the same week yeah. every single time yeah. it's just like oh i wish it could have just been sped <laughs> up but it happens all of the time so that's the that can be uh, really hard then also for me what can be hard is that at home when i'm working on something i'll be working on one specific piece of work that i do and an email about another project will come in and kind of completely derail me because mm. i see that but i've kind of found that i really like to start working at like 8 p.m. at night Mm. and sometimes going through till 2 a.m. because what's great about that is no emails come in 
<laughs> you can be really focused. It's quiet. No one's going to call you. You're not going to get any yeah. sort of messages. And you can kind of do a lot of work. I wish we, I'm a big fan of the afternoon nap, actually. So like <laughs> early in the morning, do loads of work. Then after lunch, I find it can be quite absolutely useless. So that's yeah. nap time and then wake up and start work again. <laughs> I really want to bring back, like bring like the culture of a siesta here to the UK. Because I think most people are productive after lunch. It's really hard yeah, to yeah, get yeah. back into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the blood's in your stomach, isn't it? Digesting. So it's like, yeah. it's nothing for your brain. You just, that, that's Facebook time. So have you worked abroad? Yeah, I've worked abroad. I've been really lucky to actually just before the pandemic, February, just before everything closed down, I was sent to Guadalajara to the, what was it? The Media Cities, um, UNESCO Cities of Media Arts, their one. And so I'm kind of based between Leeds and York and York is one as well. So I got sent out there to talk about the work that I do on um, that social media and digital work and whatever media art is. So that's been really fun. And I had the opportunity to work in different places in Europe, like in Italy and things like that. Um, hoping to get back into uh, international stuff. In September, I'll be going to Viborg in Denmark, again, to do another sort of digital creative thing, which is really, really cool. But that's just a big thing at the moment, getting back to international work. Another thing that's coming across is people, because we're really being aware now of our carbon footprint, Mm-hmm. And what we're doing. So to me, it was so crazy. I flew to Guadalajara to spend two days there mm. and then come back, which mm. is something I think from the pandemic, now that we're doing stuff a lot more online, isn't going to happen as much anymore. Mm. And also for stuff in Europe, there's certain calls out now in the arts, but really focusing on slow travel. So going by train or by bus instead of by plane. So that's going to be a huge shift. And also in the Arts Council now, when you go for Arts Council funding, a big section of that is talking about your carbon footprint. So I don't know how that's going to pan out in the next few years, what the idea of touring work when you'd have a big van and maybe the performers would travel by plane Mm. and then some technicians would drive all the stuff over. Actually, that's going to be really hard now because of all the carnets and all of that sort of things that the whole thing is Breach. But one thing that is quite interesting about working internationally and some new ideas are coming up is the idea of concept touring a piece of work. Yeah. So that's where the idea of the work tours. So an artist creates it in one country, yeah, but yeah. then can actually make it happen by remotely doing that. And during lockdown, I had an experience of that working for the Mediali. I created as a collaborator on a piece of work called Good Neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in partnership with Effect Lab, who were based in Amsterdam, and they never came over. So it was this whole work that was based on an app where the uh, audience went through um, a neighborhood and they had this chat thing. But then I was in charge of all the actors and the performers and making it run in the UK. So having meetings and WhatsApp calls on Slack with everybody in Amsterdam and then making it work over in the UK. So that's something I'm really interested in. Even though I would miss the travel, that that's one thing. It's so nice to travel and go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you've got, the, you've got the slow travel option in there. So, you know, yeah. people always traveled. People will always travel. Always travel. Yeah, definitely. I'm a bit of a person that's kind of like, 
I don't know, we, me and my husband went away on a last minute all-inclusive trip and paid really cheap um, to Morocco. But then I was like, well, the reason we got it cheap is because that plane's going anyway and it's going without me or not and I might as well get a cheap ticket to fill it because it, I don't know if that's a hard one that, but then I'm like well it's happening it's going anyway yeah and they want to fill it it's better if there's more people on it it's less of a I get a holiday out of it yeah <laughs> yeah and as well like after being locked up for ages and just seeing the same thing for ages you're also like oh I need I want new experiences okay so I don't know where to sort of go to next then or where to where to start with this so I mean I was thinking along the lines of kind of you know is it worth asking you of like a your sort of typical day but I mean you don't really have a typical day but I mean like how much of it is so behind the kind of showbiz glitz mm. how much of it is sitting around doing admin and trying to drum up work and filling in forms and like well I've always said the idea of being like a freelance artist is about I'd say 80% admin mm. 15% complaining and 5% actually doing the thing that you want <laughs> definitely um, there's a lot of sitting at the computer and mm. writing applications which that sort of thing you don't get paid for which is really really hard but yeah I often am all over the place and in multiple cities in one week that sort of thing okay so I mean you've been doing this for how many years now gosh I think I've been classically professional freelancer for about gosh, 2012 so yeah 10 years so you obviously enjoy it because you you're still at it yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think I'll start off with the UBI question then before I ask you mm -hmm. about anything else. But yeah, so if, if there was a universal basic income, how do you think that might change how you sort of arrange things? Actually, to have universal basic income would be amazing for me, especially as a freelancer, to have that buffer. Because mm -hmm. again, it, sometimes everything, even the organizations that I work for, they're relying on kind of project-based funding. So mm. if that doesn't come through one time, that job's over. So to be able to have that sort of buffer and maybe to still be as busy, but on less projects, that could be quite nice. <laughs> the nice yeah, yeah, have yeah. To, to survive, do quite a lot yeah, yeah. Um, to be able to live, <laughs> to pay yeah. our rent. So to have the option to maybe focus more energy mm. into less work instead of the, like energy the same energy across multiple projects to be able yeah. to because then actually what you could achieve could be so much bigger and more impactful in a way because yeah, you're able exactly. to completely focus on really making change in one area so what is it yeah really becoming like a master in one field instead of yeah, having yeah. to be that yeah this portfolio wearing multiple hats and that could be a, a really refreshing and what people can achieve actually yeah. and to be slow about things yeah. I think what is this thing we've made this way of working in this pressure that we should always be on the go, this kind of puzzler mm. mindset. And I feel quite lucky that I am usually quite on top of that sort of things, but sometimes it is burnout and you do get tired mm. and you just can't face sitting at your computer for another day. So I feel it's like working smarter, isn't it? <laughs> it's mm. actually taking that time and I feel that 
most people will benefit that. Oh, I'm a big idea that we could have a four day week, work yeah. week. And actually, I feel that people, when you're in the office or something like that, you, you're in there all day. But I think the amount of pro- productive hours is probably like three max. Mm. Going to having lunch, talking to the team members, having mm. all of that. So actually to be able to like maybe if we condense our work into four days, it's a smart way and then have yeah. more time. So two-day weekends is not enough. I'm sounding like I just want more holidays than I want to go away. <laughs> but actually people are more productive because rest is, is, yeah. is so important to productivity. Yeah. And and so that you alleviate that those processes of burnout mm. and to stop that from happening. Mm. So yeah, I think UBI would be especially in the arts, uh, sort of, actually we could allow artists that don't have the opportunity or from a lower socioeconomic background to actually make art and yeah. put that and, time and energy in that they yeah. can't. Yeah. Yeah. Free up a lot of capacity and potential. Yeah. Um, Who knows how many amazing artists there are out there that have just never been able to nurture that or be able to take those opportunities but then you've got to have that narrative of the struggling artist haven't you (laughs) which you kind of want yourself you know if you're doing anything artistic you kind of want to be like yes but it has to be like genuine and truthful and true (laughs) (laughs) it's got to be real I (laughs) like that uh, a few years ago I was living in a little flat in Chapel Town that had no central heating I was sleeping on a rug on the floor it was so romantic (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even have internet and all of this, but now I'm now in my coming up to my mid thirties now. So I'm thirty three. I'll be thirty four this year. I'm like, no, that's not for me anymore. I want to be able to do pro- instead of doing lots of fast turnover projects within my own practice. I'm really focusing again, being slow. So taking two to three years to mm. create a piece of work that's actually amazing and mm. big scale, and yeah, has more of an impact. It's just that. I think, yeah, your mindset changes <laughs> about that definitely yeah. as you get older. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and yeah, yeah, you, you, there's, you need to be comfortable and you need to be, you need to be getting paid because there isn't a UBI. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that it made me think of there as you know, your in your answer was, you know, you do a lot of long days in, in theaters, in shows, in, you know, when you're doing performance especially around, you know, as you come up to the opening of the performance, you know, like tech runs and stuff. And a lot of that is kind of just that mentality of maxing out everything as much as possible, you know, at the last minute, but a lot of it's also sort of, you know, time pressures and being able to get everyone together. So the earlier you start, the more sporadic it is, but you know, if you had that benchmark, it would alleviate some of that pressure, I think, and it wouldn't have to be, you know, you wouldn't have to do those mega shifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important. And actually, this is what's so great with Compass Festival mm. and Compass Live Out at the moment is we actually, how they program and create work is actually over long periods of time, which is wonderful. So it's a biannual festival, but in the year that there isn't. So there's a festival this year, mm-hmm. but previous to that, over the past couple of years, we've had artists in residence, mm-hmm. uh, which have been completely paid for their time to develop projects over a long period of time, which will then become a part of the festival. And we've currently got a call out right now for artists to become residents in 2023, which then has in a view to develop work 
have a lot of support and time to create a piece of work that will end up in the 2024 festival. So for the last festival, there was Public House, which was by an artist called Small Axe. But that work, it ended up being it was like a pop-up pub in Kirkgate Market that had four sides and they ran a whole competition with a community to find out which was Leeds Lost Pub and the Duchess one. So recreated the Duchess. Yeah, and those yeah. are people that used to go there, came to that. But that was actually a project that took place over four years until it came to that final moment. Mm. So there's a lot of companies and people that are really focusing on that care for artists and actually making work that connects with communities. So there's otherwise an artist coming in a place, kind of doing something with some participants and leaving because then yeah. they're like, well, what do we do now? So working with Compass, is, it's really refreshing and really exciting mm. to help work on, help artists go from a small idea, find a community to work with, develop that, and then create something really big and special in the final outcome. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, from my own experience, uh, especially if you're doing something yourself, a project, or you've got some space and you've got an arts council grants before it used to be under 15K. So maybe you've been really lucky enough to get 10K, but then you've got to pay over performers, a technician, mm -hmm. all of that. And maybe actually with that, by the time you've only got enough money for to spend three weeks with people and you've got to make yeah. a show and that's oh, what yeah. you can pay them for. And it's really, really hard. And then from that, if you're the lead artist that's got that funding, you kind of pay everybody else first. And mm -hmm. then you, and if there's any of them to seen expensive, you pay that out. And then whatever's left, which is normally under what you've said, you're going to pay yourself mm. goes to, goes to you. And that is, it's really, really, yeah, hard in that way. You kind of have to do it for the love in it in that context. Mm. So what has come out of the pandemic is organizations really understanding that artists should be properly compensated for the time and also supported. Mm. to make work and there has been quite a big refreshing change in that way and especially with daily rates of pay and things like that mm. like people before would be like trying to give you 40 pounds for a gig but now it's like it, especially without some of funding bodies they want to see you pay yourself or your collaborators a minimum of 150 pounds a day going up to 300 pounds a day that's like the industry standard and people are like, whoa, that's a lot, but we've got to do our own tax and our own expenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also than that, you get compensated for that time, but that doesn't, that's your day, but you've done so much thinking about it beforehand. Mm -hmm. And then also you- Prep work, might, experience, yeah, the education, you know. Totally. And then also within that, yes, sometimes um, before when I was just performing, but some months I'd be absolutely boring, like stack some money <laughs> for three months afterwards, nothing. Mm. So you have to be really good with your money as well mm -hmm. as a freelancer and save it and know that. And then also save it because you kind of never know what that tax bill is going to be when you input everything in. You're like, oh, I've got loads of savings. Like, oh no, no, I've got to pay it. <laughs> everything mm. I've just saved just goes straight back out. Mm. So I mean that, that I mean that I was thinking about that sort of as you were as you were talking and sort of you know it can it could be very very precarious like so take us through your lockdown experience like going in were you able to sort of further yourself and I mean like it sounded like you were doing some work while it was lockdown as well but yeah did that sort of die off initially or was it like loads of work straight away or like take us through it. 
Yeah, so when lockdown first started, obviously there was just a major panic and I was planning to go on tour that year with a project that had multiple dancers, big set, everything like that. That just didn't happen. And that project is left now. It doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) It's gone with Slap quite luckily. We did our our festival was in February, just before lockdown started. So we managed to do that. But within that, just events and festivals just weren't happening. So there's quite a panic for a while. I didn't know what to do. Mm. And then luckily, I'm quite lucky that, well, my partner at the time uh, was a paramedic. So uh, we had, he he was working still, yeah. so we were quite lucky. But at the start, I was really energized. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do loads of stuff. I'm going to do loads of, um, I'm going to learn loads of things. Mm. And I kind of... The first lockdown I did, I did a quali- exercise the music qualification online and nice. did all of that. And then I saw that uh, my friends at Unshop Festival were looking for somebody to do marketing and engagement. And I was like, do you know what? Yeah, I had experience from doing it from my own festival previous yeah. and then all the new experience that I had on social media. So I went for it and got the job. And then from there on, it kind of, kept going and now I've been really lucky to I've only applied for three marketing jobs and all the rest I've gotten from word of mouth or people recommending me and things like that so yeah I'm quite blessed in that way that that's happened but yeah so then I made that shift to doing that and now in a way that stuff's opened up I now really want to get stuck back into making my own work again because I kind of just put my own work completely on hold throughout that whole time mm. and just really worked on doing marketing jobs but now that I'm back into the world I'm thinking I might need to do another shuffle of things mm. <laughs> so that I can focus on my own practice again cool so I'm going to move to the next question so I'm going to ask the change question so if you could change any three things about your work what would you change what would I change being able to do what I actually want to do more yeah. instead of having to do all of the admin, the prepping, mm. the planning. Well, no, you've got to do all that, of course. But I mean, it's just like the constant seeking of finding money and things like that. But I suppose that's all in part of it. But I'm just like, just want someone to give me money. <laughs> so that would just be, yeah, so I had more time to actually make that or with Compass do festivals or support artists in that sort of way. Another one would be, for me, working in the arts, what's really hard is to switch off mm. from being an artist or a marketer because you'll see something in advert and you'll be like, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> or you can't enjoy things and you're like, oh, this should have been organized. Like, my husband is a paramedic and he has a really stressful job, obviously, but when he comes home, he does not have to think about it. Mm. at all it ends mm. there he comes home well he does but you know what i mean he yeah, yeah, yeah and relaxes whereas for me it's so hard to like shut off mm. your brain and that sort of thing so that's maybe me to focus maybe i should meditate more but that's just yeah. the, don't you think that's a little bit also because you know because like you like you said of sort of working through the night you know, yeah. and and some of the work because it's it's like inspiration. So a lot of the work is actually just thinking time. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and like thinking time is not like 
you shouldn't be getting paid for thinking time but it's yeah. like yeah you should you should be getting paid yeah time, but it's, it's not job. thought of as work is it <laughs> yeah but it's a huge part of it oh that's the thing like I, I can stress people out because all of a sudden i'll be out somewhere and then i'll be on my phone and people are like ah oh, and i'm like yeah but i've just had this idea or i need to just share this tweet or <laughs> and, and that's just a big part of the work so i think that ability to be able to just like Mm. switch off sometimes mm. but I think that's the thing about an artist you don't really switch off you've always got that brain going and sometimes that can be quite exhausting so yeah that's one. Oh, and then my other one I've, I remembered it is to be able to plan for the future more mm. so to know that um, having to work project by project is often you know what things are happening but to be able to make that five-year plan but it, mm. it's just so hard to be able to do that or even project that because mm. you don't know if you've made one work or oh, was that successful was it a sick hit and then people mm. want to book it and take it on top but you don't know until you've made that thing you can have a vague idea but none of that is ever concrete so mm. i think that would be one thing I don't know how to change that, but that would be an amazing thing to change, to know <laughs> mm. what I'm doing in two years' time. That would mm. be amazing. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you think that some of, I, I mean, some of artistic work, you know, like the artist's struggle is like some of the enjoyment of it is the not knowing and <laughs> the sort of like having to do everything at once and, you know, getting the adrenaline running and things like that. So sometimes the things that are kind of, I mean, is that sort of just over years of doing it, you're kind of like, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of this. I need more of this. I need more of that. You know, like I need more yeah. stability, predictability. Definitely. I, I feel that I think it's just, again, it's the age that I'm getting to. I'm married now. Mm. I'm in the process of buying a house, actually, which I would never have been able to do if i didn't marry somebody that has a normal job <laughs> like, a mortgage would not have been accessible to me at all but then yeah i'm 33 and we're having the question of family are we gonna have kids but then i'm just like what if like the biggest opportunity in the world comes up next yeah. year <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I yeah it's one of those things um yeah just to have a bit of uh, insight I think it depends on which kind of journey. I never thought I would be married and buying. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, mm. but it, as I say, that's the thing, future planning. Um, me, four years ago, three years ago, would be very shocked that I'm here saying mm. that now. Like, I would thought I was going to be like, cool, crazy auntie. Never like, <laughs> but yeah, it's shaped out to be very different. But now I'm in that sort of space. It is going right what what do i need or how many bits of work can actually tie me over or what would even be possible um mm. to have a family because for me my only option of maternity leave would be state maternity leave mm. so that's it and if i have state maternity leave, there is no i can't do any bits of work mm. at all mm. or anything like that so then we've discussed the idea is it possible for my husband to get full maternity leave from his work and Actually, we've always said that he's more of the homebody. He'd be so mm. much better as a house husband than, yeah, yeah. than me. I'm just, I'm not that way inclined. But I need to have more of a paternity and then go back to work because I, mm. I can work from home or I can pick projects in around things. Yeah, yeah. So that's 
uh, an interesting way to look at it actually for yeah him to take the full maternity because he's in a job mm. and then for me to do like a state paternity and mm. go back to work that would be probably more economically viable for us mm. and also work better in just who we are as people but we're looking into that we don't know if that's like <laughs> a thing but it would be great <laughs> Cool. So we'll do Brexit first. Has it affected your work at all? Have you noticed any sort of effect or has it kind of been just mixed up with COVID or like, what's your take? Yeah. So Brexit for me at the start, I was kind of really passionate. Actually, for me, I found out that we voted for it. I was in Amsterdam at a theatre festival on the day and everyone was celebrating and drinking and then my phone got stolen. And I had to go to the police station and they were like, congratulations. Cause they were like, we want Nexit and all of this. And I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> For me, it is about like that touring and taking our work easily abroad. Oh, there isn't the option now to easily and quickly go, oh yes, I'll apply to perform at that festival. Oh yeah. yes, I can do that. So that's um, a bit different. One thing that I know it has really affected is that my best friend did he's a sound guy and a sound technician and tours used to tours Europe all the time mm. but now that's a huge thing for him to go he can't easily go on tour with a band that would be mm. going and uh, the main band that he tours with they're a lot of, they're American so they okay. they have a different thing so they do that but then if we're from the UK that sort of a thing so but for also now as well, working at Compass, we're bringing over some artists from Italy and things like that. We're still managing to do it and to work. It's just going to be a big shift and change. But for me directly, I kind of shut off about it. And I know that that's bad. But again, during lockdown, at a certain point, I was doom scrolling all the time. And then I was looking at learning about just like history and things and then like how we have so much more mental health problems now. And it's because, and I was talking to my next door neighbors, Mary and Andy, and they were talking about their like grandson mm. and he's panicking now about the war in Ukraine. I'm like, he's six, mm. Why? but he's got access to that news. Like mm. I'm three, so it's six, seven, eight year olds. And I'm like, mm. you shouldn't be panicking about that. You should be out playing life, like knocking on people's doors going, it's like so-and-so out to play tonight. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I just had to take a note that I just stopped looking at the news yeah, and yeah. I'd learned the news from people talking about it to me. And I was yeah, like, yeah. that's what people used to do. Yeah. And people seem a lot happier. <laughs> and I know that might be a bad thing, but I have, I go through phases yeah. of just having to stop because I think having so much information all the time is like just bad for you, says well, the social media manager. But <laughs> yeah, you will. Yeah. That's like, yeah. you know, it's a, sort of, we all have a kind of smoker mentality of like, yeah, I know it's bad for me. I'm still going to have have another one. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned about like the major news that I do back into looking at news and stuff now. But just with everything at that point, everything got so much to a head in my brain that I was just like, I'm just going to do this qualification online. This is interesting, actually, because I was listening like in the, the, the last episode that I put out the guest was sort of talking about like how crazy the news went during lockdown, you know, when they weren't talking about 
COVID and the numbers and stuff and the politics around it, it was like, you know, that, that huge rise in conspiracy theories and things like that. And just the, the crazy stuff that was happening in the news. And he was like, it, I did feel so I was talking to him just after sort of the last lockdown had finished. And he was like, yeah, it, it did seem like it calmed down. Like it was a different kind of crazy with the news in mm. lockdown and out of it. Yeah. It's because they knew that they could just feed us anything and we'd take it. <laughs> like, because we were at home. But yeah. And that I've, I've always been a bit of a, a huge fan of conspiracy theories, like not really believing much myself, but there's, I have some of my favorites, which are the oddball ones. Then mm. Katy Perry is actually Joan Renee Ramsey. Amazing. But that, that's the side of conspiracy theories that I love. But when stuff starts getting dangerous, like people taking, what is it, horse medicine and then injecting themselves with bleach. Yeah, you just have to be careful with your own brain and your own time and your own energy, Yeah, uh, I think. And, and all power to people that uh, campaign and put stuff forward and things like that. And I'm a great supporter of people that want, like, that do that. Mm. But yeah. And all power to them because for me around like a lot of artists make really political work and really stuff about a cause and I'm like that's so amazing and um, I do have political ideas but I'm like there's so many people that make amazing work like that that mm. I, I'm the first to say that the, those people are better to voice that sort of stuff than me I kind of make work around kind of fitness and health and different things mm. like that mm. and which all work is um valid in that way but yeah it's different audiences and different um stories and voices and that's why that's important but yeah yeah i just yeah i just have to protect my brain but i say i i know everything about the latest memes or what's trending on tiktok i could tell you that straight away <laughs> do you get do you get time away from it do you get like do you give yourself time away from screens then as well because i mean obviously you know if you're trying to avoid news you you can't when you when you're doing social media work you're gonna be hit with like trending thing and like you know awful thing happened horrible thing happened pointless thing happened <laughs> yeah it's it I, I do try and like just have time off at the moment i when i read books i read paper books which is uh, really good. I often walk. Mm. I do listen to podcasts there when I walk, but I just like to just take care of myself sometimes. Mm. The big thing is that is I like to do pampering. So I'll like wax and dye my own eyebrows and do my nails and that sort of thing. Another thing that I absolutely love is makeup. Mm. And every morning I get up earlier and even if I'm at home all day, I put my makeup on. And during that time, I don't listen to anything else, do anything else. And that's like a huge, like 45 minutes to an hour and a half if I've got loads of time just doing my makeup. Or a lot of people, like, I wear different colored eyeshadow. Actually, during lockdown in Zoom calls, I'd have like ridiculous. Because <laughs> I was just like, well, I might, you're going to see loads of faces in boxes all day. I might as well yeah, make yeah. my face interesting. <laughs> that sort of a thing. So just having those like ritualistic moments, which are for you, yeah. is really important without any external sort of thing. And also me and my husband have this stuff that like, we call it bedtime, but it's not what you know. <laughs> but it's a moment where we just sit next to each other and we talk and we don't have our phones we don't do anything 
and we we kind of joke it's like we talk about anything and everything from yeah all sorts of stuff but that's just really important to like connect with out screens or mm. show stuff pay attention it, yeah like yeah. actually pay attention to someone yeah other than sort of half listening and like yeah kind of scrolling whatever at the same yeah time. yeah so let's do let's do have we done climate change we've not done climate change have we I touched on it a bit, but yeah. Well, this is yeah. this is the thing as well. Now I, I sort of prep people a bit beforehand because I'm kind of yeah. I'm priming you, you know, like mm. I'm putting these ideas in your head before we talk about them. So it's it's like it, it you know, I suppose that triggers you to kind of think about them as you yeah. as you're talking. You know, I'm revealing all my secrets here. So yeah, I, I mean, I use climate change as like a catch-all for sort of green issues and and so on, like. Obviously, you know, as you said, you've mentioned it already. It seems like it's something of a concern, but like, how much can you do with your work? I mean, you're aware of the impact, but like, what can you do in terms of adaptation, mitigation, like yeah. production? Like, how do you how do you view it? What how does your work yeah. affect it? So, was it? I'll start with my compass hat on uh, okay. within compass this year it's for our festival we'll actually be um calculating what the carbon output of our festival is and then implementing that going forward so that we have a carbon budget mm-hmm. so that we know we can spend this much carbon mm-hmm. and that's been fed into a lot with funding bids now especially arts council are looking for um reducing environmental impact so just for example right now is the the fringe festival will be happening this summer in edinburgh and my friend brilliantly said it's just the edinburgh leaflet festival instead of actually like yeah you just get handed everything and what that really does is the way we've done you know sale in leeds sustainable arts in leeds yeah so compass have done their carbon literacy training and there's a lot of tools now as well well from Julie's bicycle and things like that that help arts organizations and galleries actually work out what their carbon output is and so for us as well at Compass we've done a lot of thinking about this and we are really addressing this on a basic level so we'll be using electric vans using recycle we always use recycled paper anyway and really calculating how much print we actually need Mm. instead of overdoing that that sort of thing Mm. but we really feel in one way that the best way that we can bring up issues around climate change and climate justice and all of that is actually to program and support artists that are working in that field so right now actually we're looking for people to apply to do a residency with us that want uh, looking or working with those themes and in previous festivals and with this festival we'll be presenting work that's looking at like food where we get our food from, how that could be more sustainable, what the latest science is in, how we feed people. Mm. Um, there's been quite a lot of work that we present like that. And as an art organisation, we know by that that can have some of the biggest impact is that we mm. present work and work with communities and actually put those ideas in a public forum that can be engaged with in a really mm. engaging way to get mm. people talking and thought-provoking, and use that as a catalyst for change. Mm. For me as well, another thing that's really important within all of this is kind of looking at climate justice instead of just climate change, because actually the notion of that 
we as people have to do the brunt. So we should be using our reusable water bottles and our straws and um, filling up our little sacks of rice instead of buying packaging. I find it really hard that it goes on to us, the end users, to kind of do that. And also looking at notions of that, that actually it's a very classist thing, all of those things as well, because as well for me, they're talking about everybody needs to have an electric car. And I'm like, I live in a back-to-back on a street that's got about 200 cars in it with multiple people renting a room in a house. So there might be three bedrooms in these small back-to-back. So there's three cars on the street. How are we going to have electric cars? Mm. <laughs> Where are we going to put them? I'm sorry. <laughs> like that is, but of course, I understand the cause and need for that, but there needs to be a real thought process mm. around that because mm. it really cuts out, yeah, these reusable things, it's expensive mm. and actually all not expensive enough. So for me, like I've got my reusable water bottle, but if I lose it, I'm like, oh no, Bobber, I'll just buy another one, mm. which is actually way more resource <laughs> than using the disposable paper cup, like yeah. oh, the plastic bottle. Mm. So in a weird way, I think more needs to be done to like analyze that and look into that because actually, is it do those like reusable bags? You have to use mm. it like and upset like 15,000 times mm. before it offsets the use of like carrier yeah, bag. Oh, yeah. the, the result. Oh, my other thing is that people use, buy all these reusable products to outwardly look great, but they've all been made in a factory in China. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's just like it's on yeah. the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, it's on the other side of the world and not great practices. So it, it's. Everything's okay. awful. <laughs> yeah, everything is terrible. And, and I, I have a lot of feelings around that. But that's why as artists and presenting work and nurturing things, we can um, kind of be provocateurs on that and investigate mm. that and actually probe into the why and the how, but then do it in an amazing way that includes everyone. Mm. And I think that's what's really, really important mm. to do. That's the joy of um, being an artist. You actually end up becoming a specialist in a lot of different things. Because, so for example, I did a show called Atlantis, uh, which was actually about NASA, the Atlantis Space Shuttle. Um, So the Space Shuttle program, Disneyland, um, then Plato's Atlantis, and also training as a dancer and training as an astronaut. But weirdly within that, I learned so much about the space shuttle program and the space race. Like I know, because that was the thing I'm a specialist on that. And then <laughs> now for artists, we have to become experts on climate change, on dynamism, on diversity, mm-hmm. on inclusivity, which is fantastic. But that now has to be embedded in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So weirdly, we're becoming kind of specialists across so many different fields which you wouldn't normally so think people think artists oh it's a person that just paints in the roof but actually we're activists we're change makers we're leaders all of that so right let's get on to social media then how much time do you spend online creating these posts how much of your work time and you you know sort of mental space is taken up by this and do you really feel that you're getting you know do you get that benefit out of it is it immediately apparent to you that it's like This, you know, this is engaging people. This is working. This gets me work. This is worth doing. 
So it's different in different contexts. It's social media for me. So what I really enjoy working with arts organizations is actually the field of social media is completely changing. And actually to help organizations understand that change, mm-hmm. I think content is the king, but it needs to be specific content for social media because actually the conversion rate of promoting an event or something like that from people seeing it on social media to them actually coming probably isn't much. It's not yeah. unless you pay a lot for ads or, or do all of that things. But what gets people engaged online is creating at the moment definitely short form video content making having to actually see social media as its own thing its Mm. own thing that you create Mm. create so at the moment i'm working with a few different organizations i do a bit of consultancy to help people uh, help um, companies and people and organizations create content that isn't a afterthought and it isn't a chore but it's embedded into what they do so a lot of that is niche finding Mm. because online to stand out you need to find your niche and what that is and it might not be obvious at the start so for me personally when i went through this process myself so for me bulk cult took off and it went crazy and i get brand deals and sponsorships and it's a source of income for me and then also being a dancer i did yoga teaching through that and now i do yoga classes online and get paid for that and now i'm sponsored by sports brands all of you've seen but within that what it was was finding my niche so i love makeup and i love black metal so I thought it'd be hilarious to make makeup videos, do you know, like the tutorials that they do on TikTok, mm. but by just doing corpse paint and different famous artists, corpse mm. paint, and then taking photos of me as if I'm an influencer in influencer places, mm. but with corpse paint, so there's a picture of me on Scarborough Beach in a bathing suit, but corpse paint, and that <laughs> just went crazy and mental. But that's how I found my niche, but mm. that inadvertently so I created a new thing, but that helped my career mm. going forward. So now I have more gigs teaching. I have more gigs doing social media, that sort of thing. Mm. So now when I work with artists and arts organizations, it's looking at what is your niche. Mm. And then say with Compass, we're now looking at what is the niche for each project. Mm. So you can do this niche finding for each thing because to create online content is you're creating it for that online audience. Mm. And I think the old school way was you put an event up on social media and people come to the event in person. Mm. But now we're having multiple audiences. So you directly reach those people who will come to the actual event, but then you create a whole version of content which raises the profile of what you're doing Mm. nationally and internationally for people that couldn't come to the event. But it's just finding that like little hook of creating that content. Mm. I'm available for consultancy for anyone <laughs> who uh, wants to do that with me. <laughs> Links in the show notes. I mean, we'll do we'll do the we'll do all your socials at the end as well. Yeah. Let me just. I thought I had my phone on airplane mode, but it's not because it just rang. So I'm just gonna fix that. I mean, yeah, I've got this new computer, and I don't know how to turn off my. I know my notifications have been going, but I don't know how to turn it off. Don't worry about it. I've like I said in the in one of my recent introductions. I'm like. Because I could start saying to everyone, you know, like these are the best conditions for recording and yeah. have this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I'm doing it for free at the moment. So it's like, you know, if people if people want better quality, then they have to start paying for it. So I was going to say on the social media front, basically a note about print as an industry 
stripped from what it used to be. I mean, it's still there. It still is an industry, but from, you know, from the towering heights that it had reached to sort of what it is now. But then as well, because of, you know, that being driven by computers, but then we start absorbing that knowledge. How many of us now know the names of different types of font and and font sizes and like how to structure pages. And then that Mm -hmm. equally goes into with social media and the marketing, like you internalize all these terms. And then additionally, you know, you're more and more video content, more and more people are becoming filmmakers. It's like, you know, (laughs) and performers and sales and performance. So yeah, I want to, I want to get your take on those kind of things. So just becoming a jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I mean, it, it, it's strange. I mean, did you, I mean, you say you wanted to, to dance and be a dancer. I mean, did you know that it would entail this much? <laughs> I have to do how, how many things? What? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's a joke. Like being self-employed and freelance, you have become everything in mm. one go. At first, when I thought it was going to be dance, I just thought I was going to be dancing on cruise ship or something like that. You know, just to, well, that's what the goal was. But then I ended up in the contemporary dance world, which is a whole different ball game where you do do everything and all of that thing. And I think actually going on that social media train, I think a lot of people do panic because it's like, oh, I've got to learn how to edit videos now. I've mm. got to do this. And I think at the moment we're in this weird transition phase where people are still doing things old school way. So editing a video on editing software to then upload it and put it on Instagram. Mm. But within Reels, you can just edit a video Mm. in seconds built Mm. within the app. But I don't think a lot of people have the confidence to do that. I think it's that fear of hit and send too early and you're like, oh, bollocks, you know what? If someone (laughs) picks that up, you want to make sure it's perfect before you hit the button. Yeah, and I think that's definitely one thing uh, working within the arts. Something a lot of arts are like really considered and really curated, but actually, what kind of works on social media is it's this perfect balance of not being too polished, mm. but being polished, mm. but so authentic. Mm. <laughs> and it's like you really have to nail that. So, within my research, I did lots about hyper reality and how stuff is just a recreation or a recreation. So I was just recreating other people's Instagram posts, but with corpse paint on. But then people are recreating what I was doing with corpse paint. When you put stuff out there, you kind of don't own it anymore. But yeah, everyone's seeming to now have to be a website designer, graphic designer, (laughs) a video editor, a photographer, all of those different things in one go, especially Mm. with that. But then that's where there is people who are becoming specialists in the field maybe like like myself or stuff like that, that are actually enthused or enthusiastic about it. Because I think a lot of people find it as like, oh, it's this thing I'd have to do. But mm. actually you necessarily don't have to do it maybe. So you're talking about print. Print is still super important because as well, not everybody has a smartphone. Not everybody has a computer or even internet at home. I think because we're so used to overall having phones and being able to do things, that you forget there's a whole demographic of people that don't have access mm-hmm. um, to that. And also in a way, or of a certain age that might not be on social media or understanding which social media platform works for what you do. You might not have to be on all of them. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people try and post on all platforms, but actually it might just be beneficial to you just be on Instagram or just on one certain platform and not have anything else. And it's just understanding who your audience is and who you want to connect with. And then other times it's face-to-face, like going to actually meet people or yeah, visiting 
finding a community group and going to them and talking to them, that actually might be more beneficial of getting people to come and see what you're doing rather than mm. posting loads of stuff on social media. So it's a, it's always like a two-way process. It's actually just really understanding and connecting with people mm. is the most important thing. And also within that, I think there's this whole drive about followers, mm. but actually what you're better off having 200 followers who are really engaged with what you're doing mm. rather than 10,000 followers, but then only getting like 17 likes on a mm. page because you've got, you built that big audience, but they're not engaged. Mm. So that's where it is. It's about actually being engaged mm. and finding that engaged like audience. I mean, it's. Has social media always been a part of your work? I mean, have you have you worked before social media? Yeah, I think it kind of has. Well, gosh, I was a MySpace kid. Mm. So, yeah, like that was the social media platform. And I ended up having loads of people, uh, friends on that because, do you know, did you used to have a MySpace profile? I had it, but I never went on it. I know, like it was every, one of those I registered, someone was like, oh, this thing, and I registered, yeah. never went on oh. it. See, well, that's actually, MySpace is how I learned to HTML code, because mm. you could HTML code your profile and make mm. it look however you want. And then I started a side hustle, gosh, when I was still at school, and mm. people paying me 20 quid for me to HTML code. <laughs> it was so great. And then I ended up having loads of people on that, because when you used to log in, there used to be this thing. And it would have like three different profiles saying cool new people. Mm. And I wouldn't have called it, but I got put on there because all of a sudden my like, right. yeah, and when like <laughs> someone messaged me said, you've been on the thing. So I clicked for it. And then I was called Lipstick Killer. <laughs> uh, I, I went through a phase of being really into Motley Crue. It was before disco pants and before that you could get patterned leggings again. <laughs> so I would order, like find on eBay, like colored, to do like spandex mm. and wear cowl. Oh gosh. Well, I, I used to not wash my hair and have it, you know, I was obsessed with Nikki Six. So, yeah, I think the picture of me, I had this like, like, like leather jacket on, but then just like some really short shots and some Harley Davidson biker boots. Mm. And I think that's why I got a lot of followers when I was playing. <laughs> that's when I first died. But then you would kind of find out about opportunities and gosh. So I've actually been a big fan of like the internet since a young age gosh i even used to make geocities sites mm. and also it's gosh right at the start of the internet and be a big kind of then there's a face party that was a thing don't know if you remember that that was before no. my space no. so yeah I've, I've been a an early adopter of loving the internet mm. and then i've been on 4chan for years that's a huge part of me mm. growing up I'm less so on that now, but I still enjoy a green text every now and then. I'm a huge user of Reddit, all of that. So that was in that. But then when it came to social media as me as a dance and form doing projects, I hated it at the start. Absolutely mm. hated it. Because I'd have different things. Oh, Tumblr. Oh, oh, I loved Tumblr. So I had <laughs> multiple Tumblr blogs. But then my website for years, my professional website was just a Tumblr page, mm. um, but kind of organized. I think Slack, that, uh, our first website, Slack was a Tumblr page as well, which is um, crazy. But then again, because you could just HTML code it however you wanted. So I'd share, I always share what I was doing on Tumblr. So I enjoyed it on there, but like Facebook and making a Facebook page, I kind of hated. And then Twitter, it took me a long time to get onto Twitter. And even now, 
when I work with organizations, we use Twitter a lot because I think it really feels within that sharing opportunities, bigging up other projects that are going yeah. on, and it's really fast and quick. Mm. But for me as a personal user of Twitter, I don't have enough to say. I think mm-hmm. I think Twitter's great if you're quippy and quick and you right. want it, or you're really involved in the cause yeah. and all of that, which is great for organizations I work with. Twitter is the platform, mm. but for me personally, it's just not. And then it took me a long time to go onto Instagram. Mm. Absolutely ages. Mm. And then I did. And then I had like an account for a long time I haven't done anything with it and it's only when I decided to go right I'm going to work out what this is work out how to do it and then I did and it worked really well but I think because I, I was quite fine to combing mm. and I mean writing a dissertation basically on mm. working out work it but gosh yes yeah, so I've had a big history of life on the internet and now it is my job which I didn't think would be a thing but I absolutely love it and I love doing i do a lot of web design mm. and things like that and I just really enjoy it. it's one of those things that I could happily do in my spare time learn how to do it I've learned how to CSS code completely self-taught now it's just one of the things that my brain works with really well and I just absolutely um, love it the one thing I've let go now is I don't use Facebook anymore and I don't really use Twitter so I use like TikTok YouTube and Instagram and my social media power and Reddit Reddit will always be there. Reddit will never go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, like I don't get Reddit. I don't get Pinterest. Um, oh, Pinterest, I don't. Reddit's the best. Mm. It's the, there's a reason why it's like the most popular platform in the world. It's no, because it's not about you. Mm. That's what's so great about it. And there's a subreddit for everything that you could love. So any TV show you're watching, there's a subreddit for it. And then there's an episode on, you can go on there and see what people are saying about it and talk mm. about it. And then you can follow things of your interest and just see really cool, great stuff. It's not about, yeah, it's not about you at mm. the person. And I really like that as a platform. It's about communities and people sharing the same interests, which mm. is, and it's really fun to scroll through that. You're not seeing pictures of people kind of showing off all of that yeah, thing. Yeah. It's not person centric, yeah. it's um, community centric. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Gives you a break from all the, you know, images trying to catch your eyes. Yeah. Stop scrolling, stop scrolling. <laughs> yeah. But I want to keep scrolling because none of this is interesting, but it is hurting my eyes. My screen time amount is massive and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but within that screen time, it's not like I'm just sitting watching videos, I'm working. And then, but also I love coding. I love doing all those different things. So I have like a different color changing light bulb, which mm. offsets um, the light of my screen and then here i've got it lighting me right now but i have one of those light bars which Mm. then goes down here so it helps alleviate the stress on my eyes Mm. and i have a computer there's a natural light window here but Mm. then i've got so many different lights that change the lighting so that when i'm working it's not hurting my eyes too Mm. much i always have my screen filter on uh different things so to try and that it's when you close your eyes and you can still see lines of code that's when yeah. you know you you've done it too much but i don't game or do anything like that so everything that i'm looking at a lot is like more 2d so i feel like i'm not messing i'm probably really messing with my eyes i'm not gonna yeah. try and say that i'm not <laughs> and, and possibly your brain i mean do you do you yeah. like are you 
do you flip between things or do you do you find that it's quite easy to concentrate on something or do you like really concentrate in bursts or like so i do a few different things so it depends on what i'm doing so videos i actually have no patience for anyone i do watch a lot of videos but i watch everything at two times speed and i listen to podcasts as well in like 1.5 speed because again because of this information thing you just go so quickly and i just find that no one's telling me the thing i need to know quick enough get to the point <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm constantly just giving videos need to get to the information because now you used to have articles telling you what to do and now you have to watch a video to learn how to do something <laughs> yeah and, and because of because of like seo and marketing and stuff it's like well, everybody's making videos that are like, say what you're going to say and like catch the attention and stuff. And it's yeah. like, I don't want to hear that bit. I want the information. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me the thing. Yeah. My favorite thing is actually, there's always like with any coding thing or anything like that, there's always, you can always find a channel on YouTube, which is usually, usually an amazing, amazing human being that's in India that's done it. And they're normally always in like Punjabi, but with, um, English subtitles teaching mm. you how to do it and they show you how to do the thing within a minute and I'm like yes <laughs> I'm like whoever is making all of these videos you're amazing <laughs> like um, and that that's where I go but I find my attention span is getting shorter I think TikTok's a big one to blame for that um as well that's become a big part of my relationship TikTok time as well <laughs> To don't where we just watch TikTok, but yeah, 15 <laughs> second videos now. Like, I don't want to watch anything. So, so, that's one thing that has been really affected by working online all the time. Mm. It's that, but sometimes I can get into real flow states on mm. one thing and really focus and really do it and really work, which is great. Mm. And then, another thing I do to try and control my brain and my time is do the Pomodoro technique. Nope. So, it's you put a timer on for 25 minutes and you work on one thing mm. for 25 minutes. And after that, you can have a five minute, five to 10 minute break. And you sit down, do your next step for 25 minutes and you just shut. You can get like apps. Gosh, I get an app to sort out everything. And you can get apps that will block off everything on your computer other than the thing you need to do mm. for those 25 minutes. Mm. So that's um, really good. And then it's like I have my, all of these. Like I have my Apple Watch that tells me to stand up every hour. <laughs> it's like you've been sat down for too long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's also kind of a good idea because you know I've been I've been sat in this chair most of the day, and I've not been yeah. you know not been comfortable. And then with so many of us working at home and stuff, at least like when you're in an office and and so on, they are you know sort of health and safety. They are like you know put your desk at the right height and give you. Well, yeah. they, they do it to varying degrees depending on the office, but you know, it's still, it's still there and it's a legal yeah. requirement. Whereas when you're at home, I mean, like I've done points with this podcast where I'm recording it sat on the end of my bed and I'm oh, wow. like, you know, I'm just sort of not, you know, I'm not sitting right and, and it's just doing dreadful things oh, to my back. <laughs> well, again, what I have here, so I've got my ergonomic office chair, my laptop is on, not my laptop, my iMac is on a riser but then here I have either my MacBook or my iPad Pro but that's on a stand as well but I use a keyboard with those so that I'm not in this position mm. then next to me here I have one of those chairs that you kind of kneel on mm. so you sit on it and kneel oh, I know that, and yeah. then I've got a, a big bouncy ball to sit on yeah. and I've got a little plinth over there where I can stand 
and the wobble board that I can stand on the wobble board so that I have a multitude of positions mm. that I can work in because actually one thing that lockdown did is I have now horrific lower back pain mm. which I didn't have before mm. and now it's uh, there's obviously from having going to a more sedentary job and working on screens all the time it has affected my body in that way so now oh I could just because I'm 33 now who knows <laughs> all of those things are so important and then it sounds ridiculous but the reason I got my Apple watch is not just to track my things but also it makes me use my phone less because I can quickly see a notification on here I don't get the notification look on my phone because if I look on my phone I'll then scrolling on my phone. Yeah, yeah. If there's yeah. nothing where you're on your computer and then you're on the same website on your phone. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then I have an iPad mini. It's obviously I'm an Apple ecosystem fanatic, but my iPad mini actually doesn't have it. I don't have the email on it. I don't have uh, my calendar. Nothing on there is just my apps to watch TV on the night. But, and then the Kindle app and stuff like that. And then I have Yak Reader to read comics. So I actually have a device that has no way, external way yeah, that yeah. people connect to me. And on an evening, my phone is not next to my bed. It's over the other side of the room charging and it's my alarm. So I have to get up and go out. But my phone is mm. off. It's away from me. Mm. And so I do have a point where I yeah, yeah. stop. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you need a lot of coffee for your work? <laughs> well, um, I don't do very well with coffee. It's mm. like quite harsh on my stomach. Mm. I do have energy drinks. Energy drinks <laughs> is Monster and Red Bull. But I'm trying really hard to reduce that. But then again, I don't actually drink that much. So for some reason, so I'm. I have a white monster here and that's all I've had today. And that is the only caffeine that I'll have, but I don't drink it in one go. Like I will open it probably at like 9am and I won't have finished drinking it until about midday. Like I just have it on the side and it's like a long form process. I'll, I'll have normally it's cause I'd run out, but I've just got my Amazon subscribe and save um, a sugar-free Red Bull, but the small can and I have that. And then I might have another one. But like, I think energy drinks have some sort of stigma. Yeah, they're not good for you because they're full of like sweeteners and stuff. Mm. But for me, it's Coffee's been socially... not good for you either, is no, it? No, it's though? not. Though. <laughs> it seems socially acceptable to drink like four cups of coffee. Mm. But it's, if you, someone sees you with a monster in your hands, there's like more of a judgment. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> it's less than four cups of coffee. Mm. Um. But yeah, I, I'm actually trying to, for years, I didn't touch caffeine, actually. And even when I was dancing all the time, but I think because I was up and about and moving, mm. you kind of don't need caffeine for that. And I felt like I, it's actually over the past like three years that I've gotten into drinking caffeine and I kind of want to get down for it because I actually found out, I go through like, as I say, rabbit holes on the internet, that it's actually poisonous to us is caffeine mm. and it causes an adrenaline response because mm. uh, that's what the poison is doing and we're seeing that as energy but it's your body going no you're poisoning me <laughs> i think so that could be a conspiracy i don't know i'm going with it <laughs> uh, yeah, but it does it makes me cramp my jaw 
still can't right. be. Yeah. Or, yeah. But there's that sort of, you know, the, the, the kind of idea that it's like, you know, sort of more attentive and focuses the mind. And it does, and it does to a point. But there's definitely a point where it's like you've had too much caffeine and you don't know what the hell's going. Yeah. It's just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Where should we go? Yeah, you can't focus. <laughs> no, I'm not like that. So actually, my husband, like this friend-in-law and brother-in-law went to a coffee festival last weekend and I ended up not going. It was somewhere at Leeds. I was just like, I'm already feeling anxious today and I just don't think <laughs> drinking coffee. And I was like, they better have good toilets there as well because everyone will need the toilet. And I was just like, it just sounds like not good for me. I, I'm already not feeling great. I just don't think that's good. Because I ever drink, I love espresso martinis as well. Oh, like, I love them as a drink. But I go and like, can I have a decaf espresso martini? <laughs> yeah. It's a real thing, wasn't it? What was that like show on Sky about like science and stuff? Anyway, I'm sure like years ago I watched it and they did one of those experiments. They were doing lots of experiments where they had these two twins mm. and they did a whole thing about whether it's better to be tired or wired. Mm. So once they both been like deprived of sleep mm. and had to do stuff, but one twin was allowed to take have like Red Bull and, and caffeine. God, do you remember? Do people still take caffeine tablets? That's insane to me. Anyway, the person who performed better was the tired twin. Hmm. Probably not scientifically but, accurate. Yeah, but they, they, <laughs> they were both tired. It was one that was tired and wired. Wired. And it, but the thing it, is, when you're tired and long. wired, at least you feel like, you know, you feel like you are being more productive. Whereas when you're yeah. tired, you're just like, oh, I'm tired. I feel yeah, but maybe feeling. you're not. I don't know. Who knows? You might just be clicking through different tabs. on. <laughs> 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 And being so productive. Yeah, but actually not doing anything. <laughs> I've shuffled all that paper all day. I was like, yeah. spent all day shuffling this paper. So um, I, I think I'm done with my questions. Unless So anything that you want to kind of talk about, anything that you want to highlight, anything coming up, if you want to plug any of your social media. All of our social media for Compass is Compass LDS. So that's on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And then me, you can find me at Borkult, which is at B-O-R-K-K-B-L-T. That is my black metal social media, if anybody's interested in that. <laughs> and my personal stuff is Lydia underscore cop. So that, that's, that's me. There'll be some exciting projects coming up soon, mm. but I can't talk about them too much now. <laughs> Thank you again to Lydia for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests and thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And of course, most of all, thank you to you, my dear listener. Come back on Monday for more working hours. It will be there. You can follow this show on Twitter at Working Hours 3 and on Instagram at Working Hours Pod Leads. Use the hashtag Working Hours Pod Leads to stay up to date on when new episodes are being released, to DM me with your questions, or most importantly, to get in touch if you'd like to be my guest on this show. Please do chuck in anything you can to help the show grow. Go to ko-fi.com forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month or you can make a one-off donation of whatever amount. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod to support working hours, again, from as little as a pound a month. Why not be super awesome and join both? Do something new and something different. Remember to like, share, follow, and subscribe to Working Hours. That's me. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other, leads. 
Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Please like Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore leads and on linkedin linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios leads are you considering taking the plunge into podcasts or audio content then think western studios for support advice and guidance on getting it made at western studios you work with a real life learner who is actually in leads not a piece of software not a course of articles or a series of live chats and video courses but me, a person in physical place-based reality. If you want to work with me to make your podcast or any digital audio content in Leeds, whether it's for your own cause, your publicity campaigns, to promote your products, increase your sales, or just to create your own passion projects, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, now. Don't wade through vapid articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts by disembodied virtual people on the web get on with making your podcast now and then when it gets hard and expensive and it all goes wrong which it will then call western studios to make your podcast with you or even for you western studios will take on your podcast boring time-consuming and painful admin recording editing transcription whatever Tell me about your podcasting pain points and I can make it all better for you. I feel your pain. For a charge, I will share it. Remember, podcast work is work. Leads businesses, leads campaigns, leads brands. Got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but don't know where to start? Contact Western Studios at makemypodcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. £25 an hour after that for editing, recording, production. I can also arrange hefty discounts for the right projects. So tell me your idea and your budget and I'll tell you what I can do for you. What do you have to lose? Time, that's what. Time is running out. The best time to make a podcast was 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. Writers in Yorkshire, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content that is about and for and has been made in Leeds. How do I know this? Because I'm one of them loiners what wants it. Help me make your old screenplays, unpublished novels, unperformed plays, stories, poems and performances, whatever you got, baby, and make it as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. Is it unfinished? Good. I can help you with that too. I can work with you to find actors, musicians and voiceover artists and quickly realise your projects. I get practice making the shows and you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Save yourself the hassle and the headache of making your podcasts on your own by working with me instead.